Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, March 15th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, health leaders in the Magnolia State discuss vaccine expansion. Then a new study analyzes the obstacles Mississippians with felony convictions face as they try to re-enter the community. Then a Mississippi casino offers employees an incentive for getting vaccinated. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. After a steady declining slope in coronavirus cases, Mississippi is experiencing a slight leveling off as residents resume activity without statewide mitigation strategies in place. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs and State Epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers say even though vaccine eligibility is ever expanding and restrictions are lifted, the virus still poses a threat. You know, we don't need to let our guard down. Right. We still have a good number of cases, even though our trends are going down on average. The slope has plateaued somehow. Hasn't it? It, you know, it was going down precipitously, but it's starting to kind of tail off, isn't it? It, it has. And it has done that um, a number of times over the last couple of weeks. And so uh, it's, it's not the same slope that we were seeing before. Uh, still going down, but uh, we're still seeing lots of cases out there. I mean, you know, when you report anywhere from 300 to 700, you know, 700 new cases a day, that's still a lot of cases occurring. And we're also seeing some worrisome trends in the variants. And Dr. Byers, if you want to give us an update on what we've seen on variant strains in Mississippi. Yeah, so, so far we've identified nine variant strains. Well, uh, nine individuals who've been identified as having a variant strain, and it's all been the the B117, which is the, the UK variant strain. Um, but, you know, we have our continued surveillance going on. Uh, we're getting those reports from not only the CDC, but reference labs that are doing those sequencing, our own public health lab that is doing sequencing. And so, um, you know, we anticipate that we're going to identify uh, more variants uh, in the state, especially the B117, over the coming few weeks. 
the health leaders say they are nearing a vaccine milestone with older residents. They also believe the state is close to expanding eligibility for more residents ahead of the mark set by President Joe Biden. You know, I don't know if this is possible, but if we can like wait till the summer, maybe get more folks vaccinated. I mean, we'll probably before long, before long, we'll have general population availability. And, and, you know, we're really pushing to get the teachers and, and, you know, essential workers and all that. So president set forth a goal of May 1st for eligibility for everyone. How do you feel about that? I think we'll be there for sure. I I think we'll be there before, before that time. So you think maybe Mississippi, we might, well, yeah, I mean, Alaska's already opened it up to everybody 16 and over. Who has? Alaska. So, I, you uh, know, I, mean, I think more states are moving in that direction. I, I don't know that we'll make it. We won't make it into April, probably, without expanding to everybody. I, I think we're still cooking, although it's slowing down. But we have 57.6% of our individuals 75 and older with at least one dose. Um, that's pretty huge. But when we started out and opened it up to 75 and older first, um, slope was climbing a whole lot faster. And, and it's, it's slowed a little bit at this point. And I think, you know, uh, we haven't run into this yet because I think demand is still um, exceeding supply. But, um, you know, we're getting folks now who, who want to be vaccinated. I mean, we've had where in some cases folks have had to drive a couple of hours to get an available appointment because they wanted to go get vaccinated. I think we're going to we're going to hit a point soon where we we may start bumping up against more more hesitancy. Yeah. As as we kind of get down the road, we definitely need the docs to get your patients vaccinated, right? So once we get to 60 65% of our 75 and older folks, all of those folks have a primary care you know they do. And we need for you to find out who it is in your clinic who doesn't have vaccine and get them vaccinated. Because I think I think that, that we got to get to that last mile. The vaccine rollout continues as more variant strains are being identified in Mississippi. There have been nine confirmed cases of the UK variant in the Magnolia State. Dr. Dobbs says the vaccines demonstrate efficacy against the strain, including the new Johnson & Johnson shot. For the UK strain, we think that all of our vaccines are strong. Yep. So that's good. The UK strain is more contagious. It's more likely to infect. So the R naught value is going to be higher, right? So it's going to be more contagious. But based on currently available data, it does look like we have pretty equivalent efficacy from all available vaccines in the United States. There is some difference, though, when we look at some of the vaccines for the South African variant, right? right. Now we have, we've seen only a couple of cases in the country, but so it does just sort of speak to that. Now, even this new data with the Johnson & Johnson that came out that it is less effective, but even with the South African variants, you, you get considerable protection, you know, maybe like the 50, 55%, I think is what it was, but of any illness, but there's still a strong protective effect for um, severe illness or death. And certainly that's, you know, a very worthwhile achievement. Even if it's less efficacious at preventing all cases, it's still highly efficacious at present, preventing the worst outcomes. Yes. And, and that's all three or just Johnson & Johnson? Well, Johnson & Johnson is the only one that we have that's really sort of gone head-to-head with the new variant. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think, you know, a lot of the stuff that we see with the Pfizer and Moderna is looking at binding affinity in the test tube, right? It's sort of in vitro studies. Mm-hmm. But we have real-world analysis with the Johnson & Johnson. So we don't really know. But I do encourage people 
the FDA has all this information in detail in their study documents, but also too, they have an addendum. So if you want the details, go to the source data and, and look at it for yourself. Vaccines are helping reduce the spread of the virus, but cases and deaths still mount one year after the pandemic began. As the state nears 7,000 COVID-19-related deaths, Dr. Byers and Dr. Mark Horn of the State Medical Association say it's important to remember the death count is more than a number. You know, one of the things that, that, that happens, especially when we're reporting 20 deaths a day, 30 deaths a day, you know, whatever number, is that it becomes numb and it just becomes another number and it's not. These are individuals and each one of them has a story just like that, a 39-year-old who's, who's diabetic, every one of them. And, and I tell you, we've been doing this. March 11th was our first case. Um, in in 2020, and it's been a it's been a long year, guys. Yeah. Three million people in the state of Mississippi, seven thousand dead. That's more than two thousand per million. It's 2,300 per per million. That's over one per thousand. That's about two per thousand. Now you might say, well, that's not. Well, I don't want to be in a group of a thousand people, and and they say, two uh, over two of you guys are going to drop are going to get some terrible disorder and die in the oh, right. next few months. I don't want to be that in that group. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs is hopeful things can begin returning to normal by the summer, but he cautions residents they must take a patient step-by-step approach. People have always asked me, well, why don't you tell me when we can quit all this? Like all of it, like, like, it's, like it's lifting a curtain or opening a window. It's going to be slowly opening the shades, right? It's not going to be a dramatic thing. We want to stair step into it. So we want to open the nursing homes where people can get visitation. We want to allow people to have small in-person gatherings so they can enjoy one another. We want grandmothers to get to see their kids. We want people to do outdoor activities, sports and all that kind of stuff. That's a quantum leap from where we were. And I think we should be joyous and joyful if we can get there. And then after we get more people vaccinated, we, we step it out a little bit, you know, maybe having the bridge clubs operational maybe doing some, you know, more relaxed sort of guidance for churches and weddings and that sort of thing. And it, it, it should be a gradual move to normal. And it's going to be different for every person. We still maybe not vulnerable people to be exposed, but it's not going to be on May 1st, we're going to burn all the masks. Right. You know, it needs to be a, a gated phenomenon where once we pass one gate, we keep working and we pass another gate. And the main work we got to do folks. Coming up, a new study analyzes the obstacles Mississippians with felony convictions face as they try to re-enter this community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Nearly 11% of Mississippi's population is ineligible to vote. 
a result of the state's disenfranchising statutes. The data from 2018 is part of a report analyzing the barriers residents with felony convictions face as they attempt to re-enter the community. Organizers like Nashombi Lambright hope to use the Our Voices, Our Vote report to bring change to the Mississippi criminal legal system and restore voting rights for all incarcerated citizens who have served their prison term. She shares more with our Becca Schimmel. It's um, a very interesting fact that many of these individuals have not spent a day in jail, um, but have criminal convictions that they um, either had to pay a fine or were on probation for, yet um, that scarlet letter of the F for felony um, just continues to haunt them as they, you know, try to establish careers, families, education in the state of Mississippi, voting. And what do you want people to come away from this knowing about reentry in Mississippi? We want people to understand how difficult it is for people to reenter in Mississippi um, so that they can explore what's happening in their local communities in terms of reentry services and options in their communities. We need more community based programs for people who are restarting their lives after a criminal conviction. And we also want to know, want people to know that. Um, the folks who um, are in these in this report and who are in the state of Mississippi with these criminal convictions, uh, most of these folks are, you know, very hardworking, loving individuals who made a mistake and just need a second chance. And according to this report, more than 10 percent of Mississippians have lost their right to vote as of 2020. That's huge. How does that compare to neighboring states like Louisiana and Alabama? Well, um, Mississippi is a, one of a handful of states that continues to have this law. Louisiana um, had a ballot initiative a year ago which overturned their law so they don't disenfranchise for felony convictions any longer. And um, Alabama also has um, a process which is easier than the state of Mississippi to get your voting rights automatically restored after you've served your sentence. Wow. So Mississippi is really kind of the one that's a bit behind in compared to the other states. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a long way um, to go to catch up. But um, I'm confident that with the release of this report and with building relationships with the folks from Louisiana and with the folks from Florida who recently um, overturned their law as well, uh, we can make it happen here. What are some of the challenges to regaining the right to vote that you think might not be commonly known or understood? Yeah, well, in Mississippi, there are only two ways if you've been convicted of one of the disfranchising crimes. You either have to become a bill and be sponsored by your local representative or you have to be pardoned by the governor. So it's very challenging and very few people know um, about this process in, in Mississippi. So one of our campaigns for the past three years has been to encourage people to try to regain their rights through the legislative process. And even then, um, only a few people out of uh, a small number who apply actually make it. What are some of the other barriers formerly incarcerated people face when trying to successfully reenter society? Yeah, most of the challenges are around um, employment. 
um, having to indicate on job applications that um, they have a felony convictions oftentimes excludes them from even receiving an interview for positions that they may be qualified to do. So employment is a major barrier, but there are also other um, obstacles like housing, like professed professional licensures. Just recently, in the past two years, the legislature said that um, individuals with felony convictions could apply for a professional license like um, a barber or real estate agent. Um, however, um, the fact that they have a felony conviction can be factored into the decisions of these boards. Wow. So just having a felony conviction can bar you from being like a barber or something similar? Absolutely. Absolutely. And before this law changed, um, individuals with felony convictions couldn't even apply to these boards. So now they're at least able to apply. What are some of the more encouraging things you're seeing when it comes to criminal justice reform in this region and the conversation around helping people successfully reenter society after serving their time? Well, um, in addition to this issue, um, I'm excited about um, some legislative um, proposals that are still alive now and will hopefully pass um, this session um, this week or next week um, that uh, redefine the definition of habitual offenders in Mississippi. And um, there's also a bill that expands parole access. So that's very important. There are thousands of people who are in Mississippi prisons right now just waiting on a parole hearing who can, you know, go home and be productive members of society and with their families. And is there anything else that you you want to add or that you kind of wish that I asked you? No, we just want to make sure that um, people know how to get in contact with us if they're interested in working um, on this issue. Uh, we can be reached at 888-601-VOTE for people who want more information and also info at uniteonevoice.org. Coming up, a Mississippi casino offers employees an incentive for getting vaccinated. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. At Issue takes you to the Mississippi Capitol every week as lawmakers debate and discuss the issues. This Medicaid thing is really on my mind. This is the biggest vote we're going to cast this session. I believe that all people have a right to vote, and some of us have had many struggles trying to do just that. If you agree to come teach in a Mississippi school, we will pay down your student loan debt. The policies that we stand for are right. Watch At Issue Friday nights at 7.30 on MPB TV. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. A casino along Mississippi's Gulf Coast is offering employees a financial incentive for each COVID-19 vaccine shot they receive. Scarlet Pearl Casino Resort in D'Iberville says they'll give associates $150 per shot in their effort to reduce the risk of coronavirus transmission. The casino has also partnered with a hospital to have vaccines administered at its clinic. Luann Pappas is CEO of the Scarlet Pearl. She says the campaign is aimed at mitigating the impact COVID-19 is having on the hospitality industry and the coast community. Scarlet Pearl is founded on three core pillars. Uh, the community, what, would, what do we do for the community, what do we do for our associates, and what do we do for our guests? And obviously all hospitality industry has suffered terrible through this pandemic, whether that be emotionally, mentally, physically, financially. 
um, and we too were hit pretty hard here. Um, the safety and health of one another as well as our guests is critical. And we knew that we have an on-site clinic that we've had since we opened and we've partnered with Memorial Hospital. And we said, what a great way to get the vaccination easily in the hands um, and administered to all of our associates. So we reached out. We were able to secure the first 100 today. That's the one-shot Johnson & Johnson, and we had 100 of them. Next Friday, we received the Moderna two-shot vaccination. And what we said is how do we encourage the, uh, encourage the associates, but more importantly, underscore the importance to all of us that everyone get vaccinated and stay safe. Um, and we said we're going to incent them to do so. So today's Johnson & Johnson one-shot. Um, we have a, a, a bank over there with a cashier, and they get $150 in cash <laughs> as soon as the shot is administered. And if you get two shots, you get $150 per shot starting next week when it's Moderna for a total of $300. So some people might be waiting until next week so they get double the money, right? Well, I'm not sure about that because they're full today, so no. I would have thought that. But it is also mandated for managers and above, and they don't get the incentive, obviously, because they're salaried. Now, is this for all of your employees, just casino employees or the resort employees as well? It's all employees that are employed here at Scarlet Pearl, um, from the associate all the way up to me. And it's for their extended family once we get through our immediate associates. How many employees do you have? Approximately 800 associates because even if you're part-time, on-call, or full-time, you're entitled to the vaccination. You said you have a clinic on site. Is that normal for casinos along the coast Um, in Mississippi? It's normal for some casinos, but not along the coast here in Mississippi. I think they may have had it years ago. Um, but we recognize a, a need for it here, and that way they can get their prescriptions filled, and we have prescription service through a local pharmacy that delivers two times a day to the property. So it sounds like it's well worth it that you're using it. It's been a tremendous asset, and certainly, you know, as you can understand, I take a lot of medications. You leave work, you don't feel like going through the drive through or walking in the drugstore, and it's just so convenient to know that when you're walking out the door, you can pick it up from security. Now, have your employees, is part of this uh, push to get your employees vaccinated because they don't feel safe at work or they're afraid they might be infected by somebody and this and this gets them vaccinated and feeling more comfortable about the job? No, I can tell you that it that's really not the reason. <clears throat> the reason is everyone wants to get back to normal. They, they, we're a family-owned business. And we're known for kissing and hugging one another, including our guests um, or visitors that come to the property. We haven't been able to do that for over a year. Um, and it's not its not who we are. It's not what we're used to. And certainly, like I said before, everyone has experienced it either themselves or their family and what it can do to you financially, if not emotionally and mentally, and certainly physically, because some people have to go to therapy after um um, being infected with COVID, it's it's simply to keep everyone safe and healthy and to help everyone ease the pain of the things, mitigate what they've been through, and certainly going forward. You said that this will also be available to your employees' um, extended family? 
their immediate family. Once we uh, vaccinate the immediate staff, then we move right to anyone in their immediate family that would like to have the shot, which makes it very convenient because, you know, our workforce and their parents and some people, again, can't find a place to get it or it's not convenient. This is convenient. It's right here on property and it's right outside the property. So the, uh, the family doesn't even have to come in. They can go right to the clinic. And do you have an idea? It sounds like it's popular already. you have an idea how many of your 800 associates want to participate? You know, it's an interesting question. As I walk the floor and I ask, most do, but you still have some that have concerns about getting the vaccination. And again, if you're an hourly associate, we're not mandating it, but we're incenting you financially. If you're a manager or above, we're making it a requirement unless, of course, there's a doctor's uh, note that says you can or there's a religious reason that you can. But again, it's hard to gauge. I would think it's over 50% are interested, but it's something that I'll know over time, not immediately. Based on this first, you know, uh, round today at 11 to 1, um, it was well-received, but, you know, who knows beyond that. Are the associates paying for the vaccine? No, the vaccine's free. So a free vaccine plus 150 bucks sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Per shot, yeah. <laughs> per shot, so it may be $300. Have you heard of any other businesses doing this? Maybe you'll be the first and starting a trend. Well, I haven't heard of any incenting through, you know, monetary incentive or any other incentive. Um, I'm hoping that other industries that, you know, certainly can be cost prohibitive, but those that can do so, because the more we get the vaccination particularly here in Mississippi, because we weren't doing so well compared to the rest of the country in terms of the vaccination early on. But the more they get the vaccination, the better off we're all going to be. You know, the economy took a significant hit as a result of it. And there are many of us, myself included, even though I've had the vaccination, that still have concerns about doing something social again. Luann Pappas is the CEO of the Scarlet Pearl Casino Resort. Luann, thank you for talking to us and explaining what your program is. Sounds like it's going to be very popular. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.